And so we want to be cycling into these deeper sleeps because only, really only in our deep N3 stage, the deepest sleep stage, our human growth hormone is released. Our blood pressure is is decreased. That heart rate is decreased. Energy is restored. Our brain wave is in that theta delta wave, right? But that human growth hormone needs to be released if we want our cells to be uh, repaired and to be to have our metabolism functioning well. Welcome back to Healing SIBO and IBS with Better Health by Monica. And today we are talking about sleep. And you know, every time I think I'm not going to have enough to fill a half an hour of, you know, one particular topic, like something like sleep, I am proven wrong. Um, I know that sleep is super self-explanatory, but it's actually not. There's actually a lot that goes into this natural process that we need to function, that we need to survive, and that we need it to be a certain way. And it really wouldn't be so hard if we were just living in a much simpler, more primal world, but we're not. We are just bombarded by light and by schedules that are crazy, by social activities, by work, by families, by, you know, it's normalized to not prioritize sleep in the healthiest way. And so I would like to take the time and explain why sleep is so important, what you really need to know about sleep. Um, we'll get into, you know, we'll nerd out on sleep a little bit, what happens to the body, and we'll we'll talk about why that's important for gut health. I mean, it's truly everything for gut health, and I'll talk about my own experience as well with sleep and my gut. Um, so this podcast goes along with my ebook, The Holistic Healing Guidebook for SIBO, IBS, and Gut Dysfunction. You can pick up a copy at my website, betterhealthbymonica.com. It's also on Amazon Kindle Store. Last week, I had the opportunity to interview the great Ian Morris of Listening to Smile, and I really hope you guys check out this company and check out this music. In the show notes, I will always link to Listening to Smile's Bandcamp website. You can buy these albums at 40% off. You can use the promo code BETTERHEALTH and get 40% off these albums. And if you have a Mac, uh, or I'm sorry, if you have an iPhone, you can't buy them from the, the Bandcamp app uh, directly from your iPhone, but you can buy it from your Mac. And what I've been doing is buying them from my Mac and then downloading them, putting them on another music app, and then just making sure that I have the app on my phone and then I can listen to this music when I'm trying to sleep. I have some triggers of sleep. Uh, my anxiety really has always been a little more heightened when I'm trying to fall asleep. And particularly recently, uh, my fiance has gotten a job where he comes home later than he usually would would be home. And so for some reason, even though, I don't know, it, you know, 
who knows what really is going on, what's being triggered there, but um, I just have a hard time falling asleep and, you know, my mind's racing, my heart used to race, it doesn't race so much anymore after doing a lot of my uh, nervous system training, Um, but this music has really changed the game for me on multiple levels. Number one, it's working in a way where I'm falling asleep quicker. I'm really enjoying these vibrations. I'm using specific albums that are bringing me into this state of this kind of like trance-like state. And and I can feel, I, I listen to it on a speaker that's next to my head. I don't wear headphones, but I have a speaker next to my, um, my bed. I'm falling asleep quicker. Um, but I'm also not as anxious about sleep. You know, when you have a hard time falling asleep, you become anxious about sleeping or you're kind of not looking forward to it, even though you're so tired. I mean, how many of you go into bed, your head hits the pillow, you are so freaking tired, but you can't fall asleep for some reason. And that creates this anxiety about sleep. And so that has diminished and you know, it really is this music that has helped me. So I, I just encourage you guys to go check out um, why it's different than your average binaural beats or why it's different than like hemisync. It's just different. That's all I can really explain it. I'm learning more about frequency, so I'll be able to tell you more soon. If you have a second to leave me a review, I would appreciate it so much. I know, I, I'm i really bad at leaving reviews. I like a lot of products, I like a lot of podcasts, and I haven't been the best at leaving reviews. So I understand that it takes some time out of your day, and I'm trying to get better at leaving reviews myself, but if you do have the second a second to do that, I would be so grateful to you. And if you're enjoying this podcast and you decide that you want to tell me through a review, then you can email me and say, hey, I left you a review, and I'll send you my book for free um, as a little incentive there. So, um, okay. We are getting into sleep. So sleep is the most, well, one of the most important things that we can do to assist our detoxification and improve our gut health is making sure we're getting adequate sleep. We have something called a circadian rhythm. This is our internal clock. The body runs kind of like a machine. It's not as black and white as that, but think about it where like there is a timing really for everything. It's this innate intelligence of knowing when to release hormones, when to repair the body, uh, you know, what the, the cardiovascular system is doing, what the brain is doing. There is a cycle to digestion, to the migrating motor complex, which we, which we know is so important with SIBO. And the, a cause of SIBO is an issue with the migrating motor complex, is an issue with that, that circadian rhythm of digestion. Um, you know, so while we sleep, while we have this empty stomach, our human growth hormone, which plays a, a key role in growing when we are adolescent and developing when we are an adolescent. Um, but also as an adult, it's very important for cell repair and metabolism. I Maybe some athletes use it. Maybe, it, it, I guess it could be used as anti-aging, who knows. But the point is that it gets released when we are sleeping and it's so important for recovery and repair, cell repair, organ, bone, t- muscle tissue repair. 
While we sleep, our immune system is more activated to deal with pathogens and to really clean up things and see what's going on throughout the body because we're not so we're not so um, focused on digestion. So we talked a lot about fasting in that first episode that you can revisit, but it's really important that the body stops digesting and starts focusing on other functions of the body. And we get to do that while we sleep, usually if we practice right the right sleep hygiene. The brain is really hard at work at making new neuronal connections, which is why if you listen to frequency-minded music and the right frequencies that are meant for healing or they aid more healing in cellular health, you may boost this process a little bit. Your brain is at the right frequency. Your brain is kind of in this place of harmony. So those neural connections maybe can happen a little easier. That's something to think about. I will say, you know, I do feel more awake and more alert uh, since listening to this music. Okay, I'll stop advertising here. Um, It's just, it's so easy to implement into your life, though. That's why I'm pressing it so hard. So yeah, all day long, we're bombarded by stress information, blue light. And so while we sleep, those synapses can reset, right? And that's really important for us and for our brain health. Uh, While we sleep, we've got these hormones like the human growth hormone, but other hormones that are released during certain times. Uh, And so that's why circadian rhythm is so important. So uh, to, to keep on track and to keep the right circadian rhythm. So we have these different stages of sleep. We cycle through about four to five sleep cycles throughout the night. We go between NREM and REM. So non-rapid eye movement and rapid eye movement. REM, rapid eye movement sleep, is about 20 to 25% of the sleep time in adults. It's going to be about 50% in infants. Non-rapid eye movement, or NREM, is about 75 to 80% of our sleep time. Uh, So it's kind of important to note that, that this NREM, which is a more deeper sleep we'll get into in a second, is the majority of the sleep that we really should be having. And this stage ranges uh, from light to deep sleep. It's like N1, N2, N3 of stages of, of NREM sleep. So REM sleep, rapid eye movement, uh, when we are in our REM sleep stage, the parasympathetic nervous system is increased. The sympathetic nervous system is decreased. That's a good thing, right? We want that parasympathetic activation, um, but the brain is a bit more active here. The breathing is a a little more shallow or irregular. This is where most of our dreaming occurs. This is why when we wake up to pee early in the morning and then we come back, that's when we have the most dreams. At least for me, I always remember those dreams because that's my REM sleep state. And it's not necessarily bad. It's just not the state that you want to be in all night. You want to make sure that you are cycling into the NREM states because that is going to be your optimum parasympathetic nervous system activation. Uh, This is when cortisol and adrenaline decrease, serotonin, our happy neurotransmitter is released. And so we want to be cycling into these deeper sleeps. Because only, really only in our deep N3 stage, the deepest sleep stage, our human growth hormone is released. 
our blood pressure is is decreased, that heart rate is decreased, energy is restored, our brain wave is in that theta delta wave, right? But that human growth hormone needs to be released if we want our cells to be uh, repaired and to be to have our metabolism functioning well. Uh, so it's just really important to make sure we're getting that N3 stage of sleep. And there are there are devices out there that can track this. I personally have never used them. There's like the Aura Ring. Uh, there might be like the Fitbit that can do this. And so if you have the money or the ability to get one of these um, sleep devices or get one of these body devices, um, especially if you're concerned about your stages of sleep, then it might be something worth getting. We've got Christmas coming around the corner, so I would order it now because of the, the supply chain. Uh, so yeah, if we get this lack of N3 sleep, then we will have restoration interference. This is when our anxiety and depression is going to spike. So I have some rules of thumb here for sleep. There's a lot of rules when it comes to sleep. And to be honest, when I learned about this stuff in my health coaching training, it brought me more anxiety, honestly. Um, I was a bartender at the time and my sleep was very <laughs> not good. You know, I would, I would work until 11, 12 at night and then I'd stuff my face with, you know, Sometimes I would try to be good and eat a salad, thinking that that was better, but now my body has to digest this roughage all through the night. You know, uh, sometimes I'd eat enchiladas with mole sauce and like tacos, and uh, it really impacted me. And then when I learned about this, I had anxiety because I knew how hard it was going to be to change this. And in the moment, I couldn't really do anything about it because I was still working in the restaurant industry. I'm going to say this stuff and I just want you to know that just do what you can. Do what you can control right now. But know that if there is a possibility in the future for you to have a different schedule, for you to have a different job, you really want to prioritize your sleep and making sure that your circadian rhythm is in the right place. Once I left the restaurant industry, the pandemic hit, and I was able to reset my circadian rhythm, it was still really hard to get in bed early and to go to bed by a certain time, especially since I was experiencing other health issues. So it wasn't like I didn't want to go to bed, it was that I couldn't go to bed. And so what I'm saying is that it's a journey and it, it can take time and you, you start things slow, but it really made a huge difference in my health looking back uh, when I started to apply these rules, these principles of sleep. So rule number one, um, I'm not gonna number these because none of them are, it's not like one is greater than the other. So one of them is we want at least seven to eight hours of sleep a night seven to eight hours, and no more than nine hours. Unless we're young, unless we are an adolescent, a teenager, a child, uh, kids, they need more sleep because of that human growth hormone that doesn't get released until we're in that deeper sleep stage. Children and growing adolescents need that human growth hormone to develop properly. And so this is why school is very hard for them. And I remember being in school and being tired all the time. I would come home from school and I would go 
take a nap for two hours before I'd have to go to work and then I would still be dead tired at 9 p.m. And so the way that the school system is set up is really not the greatest for the development of our kids, our adolescents. Uh, so if you are a kid or if you are a parent, it is important to know that these kids do need a little more sleep and so let them sleep. Get to bed by 10 p.m. and try to fall asleep as quick as you can. <laughs> I laugh because I know how hard this is, um, but I cannot emphasize more how important it is to try to go to bed before 12. Every hour of sleep before midnight that you get is worth two hours of sleep after midnight. So that basically means that you want to be asleep before midnight because you're going to be cycling in and out of these NREM cycles and you're going to be getting a higher quality of sleep when you first fall asleep um, between the hours specifically of 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. So it's not like you want to go to bed at 12 and then you get two hours of sleep uh, with this NREM cycle. But if you get to bed by 10 p.m., and you're asleep through, you know, to 2 a.m., then you're going to be having that optimal NREM uh, uh, quality of sleep. And the HPA axis and adrenal glands do the majority of recharging and recovering between those hours, which is really important for stress reduction. It's really important for our hormone health our, and just the amount of stress that our body's under. So getting to bed by 10 p.m. is super important. Early morning sunlight is better and necessary. So get yourself outside, get your face in the sun, look up at the sun. Don't You don't have to stare directly at the sun for a long time. You can close your eyelids and look up at the sun, but you want to get that sunlight, those light rays, uh, so that you can produce melatonin later in the day. So early morning sunlight um, and then limit that light at night, that blue light as I'm staring at a screen right now. But I have, I, I'm doing pretty good. It's a little bit earlier in the night. So um, I'm not, I, I'm not breaking the rules just yet. So melatonin, like we spoke about, is very important. Uh, it's a hormone. We all know about it, especially over the past couple years about the pandemic because it has been known to help be a preventative and also in high doses, not only with COVID, but also with cancer, uh, people use high doses of melatonin for treatment. Um, it's needed to tell the brain it's time for sleep and it's needed for a healthy immune function. It's produced in the pineal gland and the gut, mostly in the gut, but definitely enough in the pineal gland. It will be inhibited with screens at night. So you want to end your screen time at least one to two hours before bed so that that melatonin can come out, right? Otherwise, the pineal gland is not going, you know, the light is basically sending the message to the brain that's like, it's still daytime, you know, we still need to be up and alert. So removing that screen is going to help produce that melatonin, help you feel sleepy, which will help you go to bed. Uh, tryptophan 
is also a natural ingredient, you know, in food, uh, an amino acid that can increase melatonin production. Thanksgiving is coming up. So, you know, get your turkey, your poultry, seafood, uh, well, not for Thanksgiving, but uh, seafood and legumes also has tryptophan in it. And then you can supplement as well. I honestly, melatonin is one of my favorite supplements because I do believe it's very safe and pretty harmless to be supplementing with and even in higher doses. So I I still take about five milligrams almost nightly. I don't feel groggy in the morning. Everybody's a little bit different. So it's something that can be very effective for a lot of people, but you do want to make sure that you are producing it in the gut. And so that means that you need to have that healthy gut, that diverse microbiome, um, because producing it in the gut is going to be the best option. Interesting fact, this is this isn't a rule of thumb uh, here, but an interesting fact is that tranquilizers will actually suppress the N3 sleep. So that deep human growth hormone stage of sleep, the tranquilizers and like Valium or painkillers maybe uh, will suppress that. So if you're really dependent on sleep meds, then it's something to consider trying alternative ways of sleeping and really tapping into why you're not sleeping, what's going on psychologically, emotionally, um, why are you depending on sleep medicine because that can really impact the release of the human growth hormone, which will not be great for your cell health. So I would talk to a practitioner about that if you are really looking to try to get off of those because there are a lot of sleep sleep interventions out there that are pretty good, you know, when it comes to supplements, there's devices, you know, there's there's and sleep hygiene. If you if you are to really implement a lot of these steps, you you may find that in time you won't need sleep medication, right? Um, and if you reduce your stress, if you retrain your nervous system, all of that, it's something that that can wean you off of these medications. Okay, next rule, exercise earlier in the day rather than later. Here's another one that really blew my mind and one that was very hard for me because I would go to the gym and run on the treadmill at 6 p.m. and I didn't think anything of it. Exercise will release cortisol and so it's going to be harder for you to fall asleep if you're exercising later in the day. And actually in high school, I do remember I would take my, um, it's hard in high school as a kid because, you know, you have to practice later after school. And I was a dancer and I would go to my dance classes at like eight o'clock. And so that's a tough thing to navigate. But I do remember it being hard to fall asleep uh, when I was exercising late. So if you can get up early, exercise during the day, and it's going to help you sleep later on. So those are my overall rules of getting at least 78 hours of sleep, getting to bed by 10 p.m., getting out in the morning, looking at the sun in the morning, and limiting your light at night, limiting your EMF exposure as well at night, which we'll talk about in the next two episodes, Um, being aware of how that impacts melatonin production, how blue light impacts melatonin production and screens and being mindful about what sleep medications you're using, the quality of sleep you're getting, 
and exercising earlier in the day rather than later. Those are kind of these overall sleep hygiene rules. Another sleep hygiene thing, I know that this word sleep hygiene is something that people are like, what is she saying, sleep hygiene? It's, a, it's definitely a phrase that's used commonly in the health world. Um, routine, you know, I know I'm, I am at fault of watching TV, maybe a little too late or, um, you know, being on my computer, being on my phone. One thing that has made a huge difference in my bedtime routine is not sleeping next to my phone and keeping it outside of my bedroom. Another thing is the music reading and just kind of prepping myself for bed a good hour if not two hours before I go to sleep so that I'm ready to go to sleep you know I'll take a bath sometimes I will do some of my move to heal sessions some breath work some stretching I have a wooden pillow that I'll lay on and it'll kind of be a little massage and so Just think about some stuff that you can implement, especially if you're having trouble falling asleep and you're having trouble staying asleep. This is really a sign that your body needs more discipline and you need more discipline when it comes to your preparatory sleep um, actions, you know, what you're doing before you go to sleep. Another thing is that if you wake up between the hours of like 2 or 3 p.m., that is... that's a couple things that could be going on. Number one, it's your blood sugar. And your blood sugar is dropping during that time, which is waking you up. It's raising that cortisol and it's um, waking you up. So that is a sign that you want to try to regulate your blood sugar in your diet. And that is something that you can work with a practitioner, you can work with me on, is really stabilizing that blood sugar, um, making sure that you're not eating a bunch of carbohydrates and sugar before bed, because if you're being woken up at the same time, like every night, that is a sign of blood sugar dysregulation. They say that like 2 to 3 a.m. is like the liver time. So that's like your optimal detoxification time. And so you want to be asleep during that time, you know. And if you're being woken up during that time a lot, then that is a sign of, you know, some kind of circadian rhythm interference, dysfunction with the blood sugar, with detoxification. Um, And so it's something to pay attention to if it's it's reoccurring. I want to touch on shift work and the work that I used to do, bartending, you know, any job that's going to make you work later or work through the night. This is a tough situation here because we know how important sleep is. So what else, what can we be doing to try to mitigate the effects of not sleeping according to our circadian rhythm? And to be clear, that circadian rhythm really needs to be with the sun. You know, that's why I say go to bed at 10 p.m. because by 10 p.m. it it will be dark already, right? Um, And maybe even sooner than 10 p.m. during the winter months when it's getting darker earlier. So we want our body to be adjusted to the natural sun cycle. But if we are working in these other jobs that require us to work late, then it's going to be very difficult for us to obviously do that. So one thing that we can really try to do is not eat late. Like I said, I was guilty of eating super late really bad food so I know what it's like to come home from a shift and be starving okay 
But when we eat late, like 1.30, you know, 12 a.m., it raises that blood glucose, raises insulin and fats for several hours. We have to digest that meal, and that's going to totally interfere with our detox capabilities, with our the natural autophagy that happens, like we talked about with fasting. So what you can do is just make sure you're eating a really good meal before work. If you have the opportunity to eat at work when it's not particularly late, then that's going to be a better option. And then just think of it like fasting. Think of it like, okay, I'm going to fast after work and then I'm going to wait, you know, I'm going to sleep for a few hours, wake up, eat, um, or just sleep through a full eight hours and then wake up and eat. That is kind of the best option, although it's not ideal. If possible, rotate your shifts so that you're not working more than like three consecutive nights in a row. So, you know, if you work in a restaurant, maybe you work Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then you work a couple lunches. Um, maybe if you have like a factory job or in a shift work and you could do two nights in a row and then mostly days, it's just going to be a little bit easier because it doesn't matter so much with the melatonin production if it's like one to two days, but if it's for days on end, then it's really going to shift that circadian rhythm. So if you have the ability to do that, then that is going to be a better option. No TV. Try to limit the screens after work. You know, I know it's hard to not, you want to come home and you want to watch TV or you want to come home and look at your phone. Try to go straight to bed. Um, limit the late day caffeine. I remember those late espressos coming into work at 5 p.m., but it really wreaked havoc. And I tell my story because I was like this. I did all of these things wrong. And this why, that's why the sleep rules really hit me hard because I was doing everything that I shouldn't be doing and I was sick. And I can't really stress enough how much better my health changed when I stopped doing some of these things. When you're working a shift work or working at night, when you do sleep, wear an eye mask and wear earplugs, uh, especially if you're sleeping throughout the day because that light can interfere with your sleep quality. So make sure you're in a dark room, make sure that the temperature is cold, eye mask, um, earplugs. Even if you're not a shift worker, I recommend an eye mask, maybe not necessarily earplugs, but you know, a sound machine or something so that you're really comfortable and getting the best quality of sleep. If you happen to be one of these people who do shift work, then following the guidelines of this book, other than the sleep ones, obviously, because you can't, are going to be so important for you because you're going to be more at risk, more compromised for health issues. So making sure your diet is the best it can be, the highest quality it can be, making sure that you're supplementing appropriately uh, for the, the potential nutrients that you're not getting and reducing stress, 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 reducing stress so much. So I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the, the Holistic Healing Guidebook if you fall under this category so that you're aware of other things you can do. Okay, so we're done with the shift working rules. And I don't really like to use the word rules, but you know, shift working advice or recommendations. Be aware of sleep apnea. So sleep apnea is when there is kind of like an obtrusion or something blocking you from breathing normally while you sleep. So if you're a mouth breather, if you have, if you are overweight, 
um, if you have a, a larger neck too, um, you have more weight on the neck, then it's going to interfere with your breathing while you sleep. And it's really not good for your brain. You're not going to be getting enough oxygen. This is going to leave you at risk for neurodegenerative disease, for cognitive issues, you know, severe fatigue and other health problems. And so be aware of the way you are breathing while you're sleeping and be aware also of the way you're breathing in general. Um, which we talked about that with the movement is making sure you are breathing properly in through the diaphragm, the bellies moving, not just the chest, but while you're sleeping, becoming aware of your breathing habits. And if you're not sure, if you have a partner, kind of ask them to pay attention. Do you snore? Are you aware that you snore? And those are, those are ways that you can kind of figure out if you might have sleep apnea. Is sleep apnea in your family? It, it tends to be hereditary. Uh, and there are lots of things you can do for sleep apnea. You know, you can get a CPAP. There's other medical devices that you can get. There's like a mouth guard and there's some YouTube videos that have different breath work and different techniques for sleep apnea that I list in my book. And I'll try to list those in the show notes as well. And they're probably good for everybody, not just the people who have sleep apnea, like the, the techniques and the methods to make sure we're breathing properly. All right. So we covered a lot. Um, uh, we covered what happens when we sleep, you know, what is our circadian rhythm, uh, what are some essential functions that go on while we sleep, the stages of sleep, the REM cycle versus the non-REM cycle, the human growth hormone, a lot of rules for sleep hygiene, getting the right hours, the right time, if you're a shift worker, what you can do, um, and sleep apnea. So really, this is super important for gut health, okay? When like the circadian clock that we have keeps the synchronization of the entire digestive tract, the esophagus, the stomach, the pancreas, the intestines, the liver. So if the circadian rhythm is off in any way, then that is going to be impacted. And we may have nervous system dysfunction, right? We may have um, stomach acid secretion problems. We may not be secreting enough um, enzymes. It's going to be a catalyst that will send dysfunction throughout the body, especially digestion, especially intestinal health. And so, you know, the, the lack of sleep that we get will put more stress on the body that's going to release more cortisol it's going to be harder for us to sleep and stay asleep um and so it's this kind of like this loop this 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 lose-lose situation where like the less you sleep the less that you um really think about the way you're sleeping and your sleep hygiene practices, it's just going to be feeding off of each other as in not sleeping, not feeling well, not sleeping, not feeling well. So that is pretty much my 101 of sleep hygiene. The bottom line though is that there's a lot that you can do to help you sleep. And I think that sleep problems are so prevalent at all ages. I was babysitting recently and this nine-year-old kid was like, I don't sleep. I never sleep. I have, a, I have a hard time falling asleep. And he is watching screens. He's watching his iPad all day long. And so we just really have to evaluate our life. We have to evaluate what we're giving our kids, what we're feeding our kids before bed. Oh yeah, he would have like this 
really sugary chocolate milk before bed. And so no wonder why he can't sleep. And these are simple things that we can change. I mean, it might not be so simple for a nine-year-old because he's used to it, but as an adult, we can start to implement things slowly and slowly. And it really just takes time, awareness, and you start to feel better, the better sleep quality that you have. And you can use those tools like frequency-minded music, like sound machines, like eye masks or earplugs. You can use humidifiers, making sure that the air quality is okay or air purifiers, um, great pillows and sheets. And there's a lot out there um, to make sure that you're getting the right sleep. But what's more important than devices is what you're putting in on and near your body and your emotional well-being because those things are going to impact sleep mostly. All right, that is all for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will catch you next time.